<laughs> Welcome. Seriously, we're glad that you're here. And if you're watching online, we're glad you're here as well. As a kid, I watched the scariest stuff at the wrong times. You know, you had Creature Double Feature on Saturdays. Um, but the one that got me was The Wizard of Oz. I know, you're like, you're a lightweight, Rob, but it scared me. <laughs> Behind the curtain, that shadow. It made me very thankful that I actually slept in the same room as my younger brother, though I would never tell him that I was scared. But I'd watch this stuff and it made sleeping so difficult at night. So I had to start to kind of sleep with monster protection. My granddad gave me this raccoon tail. So I figured if I sleep with the raccoon tail, that well, nobody's gonna wanna mess with a raccoon, right? Well, the thing ended up scaring me in the middle of the night because I woke up with this furry thing in my face. But the thing that always worked was turning on the light, right? I saw it in my kids as they were growing. You know, you read the stories to them, they're getting really sleepy. You think they're out and you tiptoe out of the room and you hear, Dad? Yes? Can you check? Check for what? Monsters. And so you'd go and I'd have fun with it. I'd go in, check the corner, open the closet. Who's in there? I start talking. Who's in there? Identify yourself. And then I try to walk out. Dad, check under the bed. Check under the bed. But sometimes the monster check wasn't even enough. They would say, can you leave the lights on? That was always the surefire way. You see, these so-called monsters, they didn't have names back then. It was hard to identify these monsters, and you kind of grew out of them. But what you find as we grew bigger, so did the monsters. And all of a sudden, they start to have names like shame, abuse, addiction, depression, and bitterness. And those are the topics that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks in this series called Monsters. And what I want to say in the outset, and we'll probably say this every week, these are heavy issues. These are serious topics that we're going to be talking about. And the conversation's probably just fine for middle schoolers and up. But if you have a younger child, then we have age-appropriate environments. LifePoint Kids would be a great place to take them. And I would encourage you to do that, to take them over to LifePoint Kids. The other thing is, we got 30 minutes together, right? These are difficult topics. This is not going to be like a quick oil change, right? Where you go in, you pop the hood, check the fluids, do a couple of things. 30 minutes, you drive on out and your problems are solved. Please, I, I hope that this series doesn't come across that way because there is hard work that needs to be done by anybody struggling with these topics. And so we have resources available to you. If you go to lifepointchurch.com, there's a monsters picture right there. If you click on it, there are resources. There'll be books. 
there is a class, a, a group, eight-week group called Life's Healing Choices that you will want to step into. You can sign up today in your program. There's information about that. There's also Christian counselors, somebody else to journey, kind of take a journey with you to help you start to attack these monsters. No matter what the issue is that you're dealing with, the answer is still the same, that monsters lose their power in the light. And God is light. Today we're going to talk about shame. Ed Welch, a Christian psychologist, wrote a book called Shame Interrupted. And he was talking about in there about how he taught a class of about 100 people, ages 22 to 68. And he asked them a simple question. How many of you have felt shame, debilitating shame? And to his surprise, the whole class raised their hand. And he said this, it was as if they simply needed a place where it was okay to acknowledge their shame. We want this place, this series, this church, those groups that you're going to step into to be a place that is safe to deal with issues like this. So what is shame? What are we talking about? Is shame how you would feel if you're cooking dinner and Rachel Ray says, give me your dinner plans? Is that, is that what we're talking about? Or if you're in a group and Jesus is there and somebody says, hey, will you pray? Is that how you'd feel with Jesus next to you as you pray? I think it's best understood with a familiar story from literature. Who in here has read The Scarlet Letter? Raise your hand, raise it high, proud. Yeah, it's a classic. I read it a long time ago. I chose not to reread it, but my... <laughs> My wife's going back through, Kim, and she's rereading the classics. She's a better person than me. But she just read The Scarlet Letter. And this story kind of helps us understand about shame. The, the story, if you haven't read it, there is a woman who has an affair and conceives a child, a daughter. And for her punishment, the town makes her wear a scarlet A on her shirt any clothing, and get up on scaffolding for three hours a day for public humiliation. Now, the father, though never identified, happens to be the minister in the town. He didn't publicly have humiliation, but privately he humiliated himself by etching an A into his chest. And in the end, they share a tombstone, both of them, with an A, a scarlet A on the tombstone. Kind of a literary way to, to show how when shame attaches itself to you, how hard it is to shake that shame away. Shame appears in many, many forms, demeaning words, like you will never amount to anything. You feel shame from that. Matter of fact, no successful career will help you forget those words. Rejection, maybe through neglect, maybe the short end of a divorce. You never wanted it to happen that way. It can cause shame. 
Maybe it's a failure or a perceived failure. You, you were let go from your job or you received an evaluation that you, you didn't like. Maybe somebody found out that you got that evaluation or you got let go from the job. If you went through bankruptcy and had to depend on others, that can lead to feelings of shame. Falling below the community standards for beauty, short, bald, like me. I had to throw some light stuff in here, right? (laughs) This is heavy because it extends to things like abortion, struggle with same-sex attraction, rape, You would figure that the offender would be the one that would feel the guilt and shame, but it's the victim that often feels the shame. Two of the most powerful words we can understand as we talk about shame are me too. All of us experience shame. It is part of the human experience, and it wasn't always intended to be this way. Or you go back to the beginning of time. Go back to when God created. Go read Genesis. God created all that we see and he creates the first people, creates Adam, breathes life into him, compliments him with Eve. And they were freely known to God and to one another. It wasn't meant to be this way. We read in Genesis chapter 2, Verse 25, now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. You see, in the beginning, there was absolutely no shame, which means shame is an intruder. I mean, the writer could have said they were together and free. They were together and full of life, but we read they're together, naked, and no shame. Imagine that. They're walking around completely nude, figuratively and literally. They have no concerns for what others think about them nor what they have done. They, if for lack of a better word, they're fully exposed to one another and to God, fully known. There is no reason to cover and hide for self-protection. And God gave him one instruction. This is all yours, but just don't eat from that tree or you'll die physically, emotionally, spiritually. And we see in chapter three, verse six, she, Eve, saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves up. I mean, everything falls apart. Eve is deceived. Adam's right there. She hands it to him. He does the same thing. And just seven verses earlier, what? No shame. And so quickly we then read, they felt shame at their nakedness. Suddenly their eyes were opened. This is new for them. It's uncomfortable because it wasn't supposed to be this way. We read in verse 8, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. 
So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid and I was afraid because I was naked. I kind of have a picture of this scene in my mind. You ever been walked in on in the bathroom? <gasps> right? Hey, hey! <laughs> that's that's kind of how I pictured, oh, they're naked. What do they do? They realize this. They sew fig leaves to cover themselves up from one another. And if that doesn't, isn't enough, then they go and hide. They didn't, they didn't turn toward God. They didn't trust him here. They turned away from him and they went and hid. The thing about shame is it forces us to take cover. Take cover from one another and from God. Adam and Eve experienced it. We experienced this same thing. When we sin or somebody sins against God by sinning against us, there's this certain fear that we feel. Breen Brown, who is a researcher at the University of Houston, in a 10-year study on authenticity, vulnerability, and shame, said this. Shame is really easy, easily understood as fear of disconnection. Is there something about me that if other people know, know it or see it, that I won't be worthy of connection? What she's saying is shame comes with a question. If people really knew me, would they still love me? I don't know about you, that's a question that I know I've tossed around in here. If they really knew what I did, if they really knew what happened 20 years ago, if they knew what happened to me, you see, the, the answer to that can lead us to cover up and do something with, that, with what we don't want people to know about. But the problem is, when we go ahead and cover ourselves and hide, we end up separating ourselves from one another and from God. And it wasn't supposed to be like that. Now, we tend to use guilt and shame interchangeably. And so it's important that we understand what, is there a difference and what is it? Because guilt can be a positive thing. When we do something wrong, we will get an uneasy feeling. Some of us may call it sin. It is there to say, hey, something is wrong. You need to change something. Where it becomes harm, harmful and unhealthy is when we choose to do nothing with that when we don't want to make the change or the correction or to come clean and instead we go and hide, that leads to shame. You see, guilt is more about what I do. Guilt is more about what I do. Shame is more about who I think I am. Big difference. I am guilty because I lied to mom. I feel shame because I am not the, the child my mom wants me to be. This is different. I lied, guilt. I am a liar, shame. I did something stupid, guilt. 
I am stupid. Shame. See, guilt is often what we have done. Shame is more about who we are or who we think we are. It's that voice that's in your head that's saying, you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not talented enough. And so we hide. Johnny Depp in Rolling Stone magazine in June 2013 said this, covering myself up in makeup, it's, it's easier to look at someone else, Depp says. It's easier to look at someone else's face than your own. Hiding, I think it's important. It's important for, your, for whatever's left of your sanity, I guess. You see, when something goes wrong in our life and we experience shame, Adam and Eve hid, and we do the same thing. We go and cover ourselves up because we have this fear that the more somebody knows me and who I am, then there's this fear that they will not love me. There are different ways to cover up and hide. We do this different ways many of us. One of the ways is to numb yourself. Mm, Overeat. I'm an emotional eater. I can overeat. Sex, drugs, alcohol, shopping. We're in an addicted culture. But we can end up just doing it to numb ourselves. That's a way of hiding, if you will. But here's the problem with hiding. Uh, Numbing. One, it doesn't work. You get on the other side of that. But um, you cannot selectively numb things. You cannot just numb the bad stuff without numbing the joy, the happiness, the memories that you had. This doesn't work. So we can numb ourselves. Another one is we can control our environment. I grew up, I spent a big part of my life doing this. Try to control your environment. Some do it so that they don't get hurt. I did it so that I would not fail in front of you. Call it pride, call it whatever you want. I didn't want to fail in front of you, so I controlled my environment so that I never put myself in a situation where I would fail in front of you. And so we can use control to kind of numb things. The other one I want to throw out there is we perfect perfect or pretend, and social media makes this a breeding ground. We can protect, how, some of you can whip out a, what do you call it, a, a post on Facebook, like in a second. But I know there are many of you there that are like, nope, delete, back up. Whoa, how do I say this? And you edit it like a hundred times till it's perfect. I take pictures that way. Oh, oh, raise the camera some more. I got three chins. You got to put it up here, you know? And we do this and we put it out there and people think that we, we got it all together, that we're this perfect people were pretending. And so what happens is people fall in love or start to like this illusion of a person. Yet I know, you know, that person doesn't exist, right? But that's a way that we can control, that we can um, hide is through trying to pretend or appear perfect. Most of us cover up shame in a way that is about hiding. But there, is, there are ways to cover up in a way that will bring about healing. Brennan Manning, who was an author 
in a priest. He wrote a book called All is Grace. And in there he said, my experience has shown me that I all too often tend to deny that which lies behind. But as I still believe, that which is denied cannot be healed. Simply put, I think it's this, there is no healing in hiding. There is no healing in hiding. You have to come out and do the hard work to begin the process of taking that monster from the hiding in the darkness and bring it into the light. And it's not easy and it's not a journey you want to go at alone. That's why we put those resources out there for you. But you've got to begin the process of coming out of hiding. And here's kind of what it, it looks like. You've got to identify the shame. You've got to call it what it is. You've got to go and find it because often it's hidden. It's not visible. It's been there for so long, you and I can't even see it. But here's the fastest way to identify where shame has attached itself to you. It's through these questions. What have I done that I hope nobody ever finds out about? That's a pretty quick way to identify where your shame is. What have I done that I hope nobody finds out about or... What did somebody do to me that I am afraid that others find out or know about that? Those two questions will help you identify where. And some of you are like, <gasps> already in a panic attack, like there is no way that I can go there. The thought of that. But I can tell you it begins the process of healing. I watched a movie recently on Netflix called October Baby. And this is about a young woman who found out that she was almost aborted as a baby. And so she goes on this journey to find her biological mother. And there's this powerful scene where she meets up. She finds her biological mother. And she's there and she reveals that she is the daughter and was hoping to have a relationship with her biological mother. And it's so powerful. The mother rejects her, doesn't want the relationship because the pain of the decision 20 years ago was too, it was too painful, too raw, even 20 years later. And there's something surprising in this movie that I know was surprising for the directors as well, and you don't get to see it unless you sit and watch the post-credits. Because what you find out is Sherry Rigby, the actor who played the biological mother, shares that for her, this story paralleled her life her story. And she said, as I was acting, she said, that was not acting. It was as real as it gets. And then she shares, I remember the cameras rolling. I, I knew the Lord was with me. That wasn't acting. It was my moment of coming out and telling the story and God saying, it's okay. You've been forgiven. There's a way of bringing it into the light. You see, our deepest 
fears are likely connected to our deepest shame. And we have to bring those out into the light. We have to start to break the hold that they have by naming them and identifying them. And that's easier said than done. It is a process to do that. Then you have to move to confessing, to confess it. If your shame is the result of something that you did, then you have to confess it. What do you mean? Well, sin and guilt, just like Adam and Eve, they brought it in and it's still here today. You you can't deny it. We see it in our lives. And it's a way of saying, I know God, but I want this. I don't care what you have to say. No thanks, not your way. Those are things that we have to deal with. Otherwise, that sin and guilt leads to shame, and shame leads to hiding, and hiding leads to relationships that aren't what they were meant to be with one another because we're hiding and with God. And so we have to confess that. Otherwise, you're experiencing less than the best in your relationships with one another and God. Now, there's some here I I know where you're saying, Rob, the shame that I am feeling has nothing to do with what I did. Right. It's what somebody else did. And, And so when I say confess, can you please hear uncover? Uncover? Start to be honest with God. You're going to have to invite people in on this and start to uncover it and let the healing begin because there's no healing in hiding. This process for David played out. David was uh, in the Old Testament king and we can read, we can kind of watch this play out. He was struggling with something. He kept it a secret and it was affecting him emotionally, spiritually, and physically. We read in Psalm 32, uh, starting in verse 5, Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, saying I've decided to come clean. Lord, I know you already know, but I'm pulling off what I've been hiding. I'm starting to peel back and go there. I'm going to stop covering and, I'm gonna, and hiding and move out into where you are. And we read, David say, and you forgave me and all my guilt was gone. David's saying, there's something damaging when I kept on to, when I was hiding something, when I was keeping it a secret, it damaged me. It did more bad than good. It damaged my, damaged my relationships with others and with God. But he overcame his fear of going there in front of God. And what he found out was there was forgiveness and the shame was gone. He's, he experienced healing. He knew that there was no healing in hiding. You see, shame will force us to cover and hide. But God's grace covers us to heal. Shame will just cover us to hide. God's grace covers us to heal. His deep love covers our shame. And though we don't read this here, David grew up in the Old Testament times 
When they sinned, they had to bring a guilt offering. They had to bring a perfect lamb to the priest who brought it to the altar and sacrificed it on the altar. And the priests were constantly busy bringing these guilt offerings on behalf of the people. That sacrifice of the lamb was only a picture into the perfect sacrifice of the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who sacrificed himself for our sins, declaring that you are worthy and accepted and valued by God. Do you believe and accept that gift? That's why we do what we do here at church. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ and entered into that relationship, it is the only answer to our guilt and sin problem is a relationship with Christ. Because he paid the price for what we should have paid the price. If you've never began a relationship with Christ, that's why we always say, come down front. We would love to talk to you about that. But you know what? Shame can still attach themselves to people even after they know I'm saved, I'm spending an eternity with God. Shame can still attach itself to a Christ follower. And in that case, you have to ask yourself the question, do you believe that the truth that you are fully loved and accepted by what Christ did and not by what you are trying to do through your hiding, perhaps to pay the penance for being worthy from God, with God. Because here's the important thing. Paul shares this with us in Romans 10, verse 11. Anyone who believes, trust, relies on, in Jesus will never be put to shame. You need to let that drip from here to here, to your heart, to your soul. And that's when the healing will start to begin because God's grace says you are accepted before you are acceptable. Big difference. You are accepted before you're acceptable. If shame sucks us into this hiding and covering, then shame's solution is to find value and worthy in acceptance in what God has done through Jesus Christ on that cross. Because through him, you will never be put to shame. It was not meant to be. And I pray that today is a day that you start to come out of hiding and uncovering from a place from where you weren't intended to be. You'll find that your relationships with one another will be better. You'll find that your relationship will, with God will be better. And you can know that you've been covered in his grace, his love and acceptance in which there is no shame. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you that we are not responsible for covering our own guilt and trying to eradicate our shame. Lord, this is a tough journey that we just started talking about today here. And I pray that for those that are um, burdened by the monster of shame, that today would be a day that uh, they start to break free. 
by bringing it out into the light and journeying through, either through life's healing choices or somebody else, Christian counselor, to break free of that. Thank you, Father. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen.